Superbrain is a labour of love. Alas, no podcast can survive on love alone. We don't have a sponsor, so we need your support for Superbrain to stay alive and kicking. You can make a one-off donation by following the Support This Show link in the show or episode description. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. My name is Sabina Brennan and today's episode is coming to you from the Superbrain shed in my garden. So please forgive any less than perfect sound. Thanks to COVID-19, I am on a very steep learning curve. My guest today is the fantabulous Dermot Whelan. Dermot is a comedian, actor, broadcaster and the Dermot half of the Dermot and Dave radio show on Today FM. But actually, what I'm drawn to and why I want to speak to you today, Dermot, is that you are now a certified Masters of Wisdom and Meditation teacher. Yes, I am. As obnoxious as that title is, <laughs> that's, what I am. So that's what I am now. I'm a meditation teacher. I, I got that uh, certification in California, so you can sense the Californian in it. But I am <laughs> delighted. It's, it's certainly a, a new string to my bow in the last few years, and it's something I'm getting enormous pleasure from. Am I right to say that your, your journey to meditation began when, despite having many many things in your life to be happy about you felt that a sense that your life lacked joy uh, and and that started to overwhelm you it's like a slow drip that bit by bit you can feel that you are losing an essence of joy or an essence of yourself so this chap who I was talking to was a very successful architect he had his own business he had just landed a massive city contract which was going to see his company you know doing really well for the next few years he had a beautiful wife he had the lovely kids he had the lovely house he had ticked all the boxes so he was sort of at a loss as to go well I have all these things that society has promised me are going to bring me fulfillment. Yet here I am, I'm happy, but I'm not happy. And I think we can, that's when we have happy, but we don't have the fulfillment side of it, that we can tick those boxes. And, and yes, we're not, we're not miserable. We're not depressed, but there's just something missing. And um, I think for many people, that's something that they can relate to that maybe they they remember a time in their la, in their life whether it's real or just perceived but that they were in their minds more joyful and more fulfilled and maybe they had less you know maybe they weren't in that perfect relationship maybe they were single maybe they were traveling maybe they were independent whatever it is meditation certainly for me was one of those tools where i was able to regain that sense of self regardless of what I was doing professionally or in, you know, in my relationships that I managed to reconnect with that, you know, intangible essence that was me. Now it comes and goes, you know, we're very fluid machines and uh, some days we can feel wonderfully fulfilled and connected to others and ourselves. And other days 
we can feel isolated and alone and not understand why. But certainly meditation for me put me in that place where either I was feeling more fulfilled or I was okay with the fact that at that particular moment, I wasn't feeling it. Because I think what what you say, and, and, and this is something that I think is very important. I mean, you you had a job that you, you know, at this point in time where you started to feel that you'd lost yourself and lost your sense of joy, that, that, um, that you had everything, you know, that, that you had a, a great job, a, a lovely family relationships. There wasn't anything in particular that you could say you were dissatisfied with, but somehow there was something that you said, you know, as, as you said, that you weren't getting that joy, you weren't, you know, feeling that, that connection with self. And I, I just, you know, wonder about that, you know, is that not somehow just a way for life to give us a nudge to say, right, you know, you've, you've done this, you've got this far, you can kind of do this with your eyes closed. It's pretty good. Now it's time to challenge yourself to do something more, something, you know, that will give you that buzz again. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, but I, you know, I, I think getting that nudge is so important as well, but a lot of us go too long without getting the nudge or giving ourselves the nudge. Um, I, you know, we are, we do change and our desires change and our needs change. And sometimes we can just remain on autopilot. We're just on automatic programming. And when we do actually turn around to take stock, we find that maybe there's been this gentle erosion of, of what we believe were our distinguishing features of our personality. And we find that maybe we're a poor photocopy of what we thought was our true selves. And the more instances we can put into our day and our week and our lives where we get a chance to assess what it is we want and the kind of values we want to have, then the more we're going to have that sense of self and we'll keep updating it, up, updating our, our uh, I suppose it's our personality software, much, much like we would constantly update our phones. We, we don't want them to be running on old software. However, with our brains and our minds and our sense of self, as you well know, we often don't allow those parts of ourselves to upgrade or to refresh or to check in with them and go, okay, well, you know, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm, I'm the person I am right now. So what's important to me right now, given all the things happening in my life? What's important to me? Is, it, is my career as important as I thought it was? Um, is it the friends I used to have? Have I let go of, of great relationships with best friends and old pals that used to make me feel fulfilled? Um, is it spending time with my kids? Is that now more important to me than getting that next promotion. So unless we constantly check in with ourselves, or regularly check in with ourselves, because we can become obsessed as well, but unless we allow that space to, to periodically just review what's important to us, I think we, we find ourselves that we're just on that train and it has drifted down a track and we can wake up one morning and not be sure where we are. Yeah, I mean, that pretty much all you've said there totally resonates with me. I mean, I, I think we do live a lot of our lives on autopilot and, and there's value in that in some regard from your brain's perspective, because your brain is this really high energy organ. And so um, it's got to find ways 
to do things efficiently from an energy perspective. Mm. And that means that, um, you know, being able to do some things on autopilot without, you know, cognitively engaging um, uses up less energy. So that's why you can get up in the morning, you can get dressed, have your shower, go downstairs, you know, make your breakfast, eat it on autopilot. You know, your brain can just do that without you consciously thinking about, I need to put my arm in through this sleeve, you know, but it also means then you go down and you have a breakfast without consciously thinking about what you're eating. Um, and so um, thankfully, we have an override button, which is, you know, really our, our um, you know, our prefrontal cortex, our executive functions that can sort of, you know, take that step back and an overview and go, well, actually, do you really want to be doing that thing every single day or do we need to switch it up a little bit? And I think you're so right. I think we just it, it's it's sort of lazy in, in a sense. It's easy. It's easy to just keep on doing what you were doing to a certain point. But as you said, then sort of life begins to lose its luster and its excitement and its sense of purpose and joy. Um, and also your brain will lose brain cells then because, um, you know, it only, it only needs X amount to just keep chugging along on that train, that driverless train. Um, and I think, um, I mean, certainly for your brain, one of the best things that you can do is challenge it because every time you learn something new or challenge yourself, your brain will grow new connections and you want as many connections and as many brain cells as possible to keep your brain healthy. So challenge is critical. And um, I, I'm totally with you on that around revisiting um, where you are and what you're doing, because even you can actively set goals. I certainly sort of um, did that I mean, I've had a, a bit of a strange life, you know, you know, I've kind of done a lot of things backwards, but, you know, I'm, I'm fine with that. But um, we can set ourselves targets, um, but actually really without thinking fully about those targets, whether they are what we really want or whether they're what society expects of us, etc. You know, just because you do say, as I did, a PhD in research, you know, should your next steps be to try and get, you know, hundreds of academic papers published in, you know, great academic journals, because that's what university researchers do. And it's very easy to go down that trajectory. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. But I think you're spot on. Every so often, we have to just pull back um, and ask ourselves what we really want. I certainly did that a few years ago. And to my surprise was found, you know, I found it a fantastic exercise because I find it very hard. And I don't know whether it's particularly for Irish people or just Irish women, but I find it hard to say no to people, you know, when you're asked to do things and all of a sudden you find you're doing lots of things, but they may not necessarily be things that you actually want to do. Anyway, I did an exercise and I advise people to do it, but it's, it, and, and you've probably already done it by the sounds of things. And that really is to, to literally take some time out, make an appointment with yourself and write down all the things you are, you know, mother, father, wife, sister, broadcaster, you know, accountant, what, whatever, um, friend, and all the things that you do. And you must never let anyone see this list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You need to put opposite each of those is why you do it and how much you love doing it <laughs> or being it. 
it's very enlightening. It really, really is. Um, and uh, But I just found it absolutely fantastic because I realized that a huge proportion of my life, I was devoting to doing stuff for other people, you know, from a work perspective that was benefiting them rather than actually taking me along a journey where I felt I had value and meaning and purpose. Mm. Um, and a lot and it, of it's, can, can be driven from fear as well, I think. You know, we can be one of the reasons, again, why we tend to say yes, want to say yes to everything, particularly if you're a bit of an entrepreneur or maybe, you know, trying to run a few businesses at once there's that fear of, well, if I say no, I'm going to miss out. So yes. you, you can actually be operating your entire work schedule from a position of fear as opposed to saying, okay, what is really important to me? What is the work that I want to be doing this time next year? That's the stuff that I will say yes to. And everything else, if it doesn't fit into that category, then it, I must say no to it, you know? Yeah, you've done exactly. That's that's exactly what I um, what I did, you know? I said, well, I love doing this. I love doing this. You know, this matters. And, you know, I am going to start saying no, unless this feeds to this for whatever reason. Um, now I fall off that, that wagon every now and then, you know, and um, uh, for for me as well, balance is, is, is something that I'm not very good at. You know, I tend to work, work, work and not take enough time out to not work, which is important as well and sort of that's the way I would sort of fall off a bit sometimes as well but that's human you know that's just being human if we didn't make mistakes we would never learn anything we never grow um, mm. you know making mistakes is actually it's a funny way that we say it making mistakes is just learning um, you know you, you do something oh that doesn't work out we'll try this way um, and, and we actually need to have I think much more freedom to make those mistakes I think society can be a little bit cruel in a way and that kind of takes me back again in a way to that sense of self because I think the further you delve into it um, you can start asking your questions around well is that a part of me that I've always felt is the essence of me or is that a part of me where I felt that other people like that part of me the most <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> drive yourself insane but um, I, I think our sense of self I'm, I mean it's it is it's constructed by our brain and I think it's constructed from our life experiences, um, but also influenced by society, culture, you know, significant people who have, you know, impacted on you in, in a way. But I think that's really positive because if it has been constructed, you can kind of deconstruct and reconstruct and, and, and sort of rebuild yourself Mm. Sometimes it can be surprising, you know, and it kind of goes back to the point we mentioned about, you know, these moments and these memories we have tucked away in our brains that that are these pivotal moments that send us in different directions. And, um, you know, one of the most constructive and enlightening and rewarding parts of, of studying as a meditation teacher was doing those exercises and doing an exercise where, I wrote down, it's essentially the, the story of your life. You know, you start to write the story of your life and, and the things you think sent you in particular directions. And I realized that I had been furiously working in, you know, in the comedic sphere and, and trying to establish myself in that sphere for years. And it, 
it was as if I had been catapulted in that direction from these pivotal moments as a teenager. Maybe I was being picked on. I saw comedy as a, my defense mechanism and, and realized that, oh, I'm, I'm kind of good at this. I can make people laugh. And, and that trajectory continued for, you know, for decades, <laughs> you know, it, into my life. And without ever really thinking, hang on a sec, is, is this what the now version of me wants? So, yes. you know, am I still operating software that was that was written when I was 17? I mean, I just think that's so true for pretty much everyone. And I, I, I think that we live so long now, you know, so much there, there's there's room for like when it comes to career, as far as I'm concerned, there's room for at least three careers. Do you know what I mean? But but it's like you're set on this path um, like childhood and teen years are so they're so formative, but but as as you've just said, you change so much, and then why are you still going down that road when actually you know yourself better now, and and could make different choices? Yeah, but again, it's it's back to this automatic programming that our brain is so good at, and it's doing this really efficient job, as you say. But it reminds me of a golden retriever I used to have when I was growing up called Heidi, who used to run through the back garden and she used to run exactly the same path so much so that the grass was completely worn away and there was no reason for her to follow that little path through the back garden every day but that's what she did and I'm sure the dog didn't think about it it was just that's what she was used to doing so it always stuck in my head as a symbol for how many of us can just automatically follow the same path I mean a few months ago, I remember walking to my car in the car park after work and I arrived at the space where I usually park and it was empty and I realized that I'd gotten the train. So, <laughs> and you feel like a complete fool, but you, and you, it's also a kind of a, wow, I am really on automatic pilot here. You know, do you remember the, one of my favorite movies of all time is, is airplane and that inflatable automatic pilot that, <laughs> that just inflated and, and sat there with, with this gormless smile on its face, flying the jet. And that's, that was its job, you know? And I think we all become that inflatable airplane automatic pilot from time to time. And it's yeah, more, well, it's, it's, yeah, introducing exercises, whether it's meditation or whatever it is works for you, um, that question, that process and question that behavior. And, you know, you may find, you know what, I've always wanted to be a traffic warden since I was 11 and I still do at 40. Yeah. So that, you know, Go great, keep doing it. You know, you're doing what you love, but you may find yeah. that actually, you know, I... I wanted to work in a bank, you know, because I wanted something secure because my home life as a teenager was, wasn't secure. Uh, but now I'm 36 and, you know, those things aren't true for me anymore. So maybe there's an option for me to explore other avenues. Yeah. And it is about exploration. And I think exploration is a great word because it's exciting. Um, like it's not introspection. It's, it's, it's exploring and it's, it's looking at possibilities and looking at different futures. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. You know, I think it's empowering. I think an awful lot of people, you know, go through life feeling that things happen to them um, and without realizing that they have much more control than they think. I do think it doesn't help that we have so much focus on, um, certainly in Western society, on, you know, um, money, as if money somehow makes you happy, you know, and, and and the research suggests that, you know, obviously you need sufficient money for your needs, you know, roof over your head and food and, and clothing. But actually, once you get beyond those basic requirements, there's no relationship between the amount of money someone has and their happiness. Um, so mm. um, I, I think that's a, a very, very sort of important take home message. Of course, if you're in poverty, if you can't, you know, if you don't have enough to eat, money is hugely important and necessary. But once those needs are met, accumulating more money and more things doesn't actually make you inherently happy. They're nice, but it doesn't get at that thing that you were talking about, you know, that sense of finding yourself, whatever that is. I, I, I don't know. I think it's more about a oneness. I mean, I like the, I don't know if you've ever come across the Japanese concept of ikigai, I-K-A-G-A-I. Um, there's a couple of ways to pronounce it, but I've I've, I know. Googled. I know a few women who've met who've met them in bars. Icky guys. So that's, that's, that's exactly how I remember how to say it. Icky guy, because otherwise I can't figure out how to say it. Anyway, um, I kind of only read about it a couple of years ago, and after I'd written my book, and and the reason it sort of sang to me is sort of the principle that I lived my my life on, you know, and then I, I think it's kind of nice when you discover something like that. Oh, that's kind of really an ancient Japanese philosophy, but yeah. it's kind of my philosophy. But basically, um, if you think of a, a Venn diagram and, and they talk about finding your ikigai, there's no, there's no, there's no equivalent word in the English language. Probably the closest you can get to it is the French, and I'm not a French speaker, but raison d'etre, you know, reason for living. The reason why you would jump out of bed in the morning as opposed to drag yourself out of bed. Um, um, and basically, um, they consider it that it is where four things intersect. So if you imagine, you know, four circles of a Venn diagram, it's the point where all four of those intersect and overlap. Mm. And basically what they are is doing something that you love, something that you are good at, something that the world needs and finding a way to be paid for it. <laughs> now, I think I've got the first three sewn up. 
<laughs> Absolutely zone up. The one I struggle on is the fourth. But you know what? It's probably the one that I can um, manage less with. You know, once I don't, well, who knows after COVID-19, you know, none of us have jobs for, for the most. But, um, yeah. I just think there are things. I mean, I, that's what I said to my kids. Um, I had my kids in my 20s and um, I was in uh, a job Um you know, and with hindsight, I mean, I know why I took that job. I was the youngest of five children. My father worked in a life assurance company and, you know, his, what a lot of people don't realize is sort of people my age, you know, people really didn't go to university. It was only um, a very select few who got to university and particularly if you were a, a female, it was generally the sons and daughters of um, professional people. Mm. My father worked in a life insurance company and he had a, you know, a nice job, but he never went to university. But one of his big wishes for his kids was that one of his kids would work there, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, you know, the four ahead of me didn't, you know, used to sit an entrance exam or whatever, and they kind of didn't get in. And I kind of went, oh, well, I'll be that person. I'll do that. Um, and so I went and worked there and it was a very nice job, you know, in, I mean, nice in terms of it was a, a well-paid paid job. It allowed me, you know, um, you could get a preferential mortgage. So it allowed me kind of get on a, a property ladder far sooner than um, I ever would have otherwise. But I absolutely hated every minute of the job <laughs> itself. Loved the people, had loads of great friends. You know, it was one of those, uh, probably the equivalent of these um, social media companies now, although without all the, the the bells and whistles that they have. But um, it did have a, um, it did have a um, recreation center that had a swimming pool, you know, so it was just really sort of a fab place to work. But I spent 15 years of my life there, Yeah, you know, think about it and you used to save money to go on holidays or to go to the pub or go out partying so that you kind of that made up for the day job that you hated um but then i had my kids in my 20s and i went okay i really really want my kids to find something that they love doing and you know get the trick then of finding uh someone to pay them to do it and then i kind of went god kids learn by um experience and they you know they learn by imitation and through what you do them and I said I'm not doing this so I jacked in my job actually and um qualified as a drama teacher and then sort of became an actor for 10 years but um that's probably one of my moments I you know every so often I have these moments where I stop take stock and 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 change and um yeah but and you know you're lucky that you have that level of of self-belief and, you know, are willing to engage with that fear of, of blowing things up to change. But I, I suppose in an ideal world, none of us want to have to blow up our lives at any point and do the big dramatic, you know, that's it. I'm off to India. I'm living in an ashram, you know, as you storm out of the centra and, you know, throw your t-shirt on the ground. Um, but I, I still, I still think there's a hangover from that time where, in terms of the money, that one circle of the uh, icky, icky guy that's missing. <laughs> that's the only way I can remember. I nearly said itchy guy there, which is a totally different type of person to <laughs> avoid in the bar. Um, but, you know, I still think there's a hangover in terms of that, you know, money is something you earn from something you hate doing. I, I still think there's quite a lot of that, you know, just grin and bear it, put the head down. Mm. Yeah, you may not like the office job, but suck it up, particularly now when, you know, people are lucky uh, to have jobs. Um, and I still think 
I, I definitely feel that the generations behind us now are are more okay with the idea of earning money for stuff that you love doing. And, and that's what you should be aiming for, you know, that we don't have to, to sacrifice our, our take on work that we don't enjoy and, and sort of wear the misery as a badge of honor. I, I think that way of living is being shaken up all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, who knows now, you know, everything's been shaken up and, and that's kind of a challenging time for people at the moment, going back to that sort of anxiety and stress and, mm. and why meditation um, can help. And I, I do want to go back again to that. Am I right to say that you, you, you did feel very stressed and even sort of had a panic attack? Um, yeah, I, th- I think the, the panic attack came earlier. That was in around 2007. And that happened when I was driving down to a comedy to perform at a comedy festival. And I had, I was new to stand up comedy, relatively new. And obviously it's quite a nerve wracking thing to do anyway. Um, and I suppose I wasn't handling stress very well because I had a lot going on. I had small children at home, babies at home. I had a breakfast radio job, which had me up at, you know, pre 5am. I was working in comedy clubs four days a week, late at night. And, I was probably, you know, using wine or beer for, as as most people do for stress relief and not much else. And um, then I was on the way down to this comedy festival and I f- felt very strange. And anyone who is listening who ever had a panic attack will know it's quite a terrifying ordeal that I thankfully have never had since. But I felt like somebody was sitting it was like I was driving along in the car and I was outside Kilkenny and it was like the invisible man came in and just sat on me and I could feel all the air sort of being pushed out of me and a sense of that my blood had become fizzy. (laughs) That's a a weird way to describe it. But you remember the kind of black and white fuzz you used to get on old televisions if they weren't tuned into a channel. It was like my body was filled with that. So I began to feel very, very strange and I pulled the car over to the side of the road and I realized that my breathing was very labored and I, what I didn't know is that I had started to hyperventilate because what happens if you don't know what's happening in a, in a, a panic or anxiety attack, you start to become more anxious because you think, I'm, well, I'm having a heart attack or a stroke. So that kind of um, perpetuates it and makes it worse. And I, I was starting to hyperventilate which meant that all my limbs then went into spasm and I thought oh my god I'm going to die in a hard shoulder outside Kilkenny you know a hundred yards from a roundabout this is not the the rock, the and, the rock and roll death I had anticipated for myself um but you know this is not something that will be written about in the you know the annals for years to come not Tommy Cooper dying on stage. No, <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, as it turned out, you know, an ambulance came and, you know. They, Did you call they, the ambulance, yeah. Uh, well, it happened that my brother-in-law was driving behind me and he had seen that I'd seen me pull oh, in and he pulled in. So thankfully, yeah, I know. And so he, the lads arrived. I got into the ambulance. They gave me a brown paper bag and I was right as rain. Um, right. So, you know, that certainly was a wake up call. But I'm not surprised you had that. I mean, you were you were not getting enough sleep. You were getting up for five five a.m. and also doing you know late late night gigs. You know, sleep has evolved because it serves 
huge functions and is fundamental to every single um, aspect of of your being. Um, and so if you start cutting sleep short, um, your immune system will function, you know, your brain won't be able to function properly. So many things. Um, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, that. well, that's why I really love the chapter in your book on sleep, because, uh, you know, I was reading it going, aha, yes, I, I, that's, this is why that happened. And now I get it. And, you know, and the idea that we, we wash, our, our brain washes itself when we're asleep. Mm. I love that, you know, that it's, it's flushing out everything that it doesn't need and preparing us for the day ahead. Yeah, preparing us for the day ahead, but also you actually really eliminating toxins, um, you know, that have built up because um, it doesn't really have that lymphatic system that the rest of your body does, mm. um, which is interesting. And, and and while we talk about that as well, you you said sort of back then before you started, uh, the, you know, meditating, you'd also experienced brain fog. Yes, I did. A brain fog was something that I definitely was familiar with and it's one of those things that not everybody can relate to when you talk about it. But for me, it was mm-hmm. a very real, a very real thing. Um, the best way I can describe it is, you know, when you get a delivery of something in, in a package or a box and the mm-hmm. box is filled with those styrofoam S's, you know, those. Yes, I do. And imagine you're looking for something that's relatively small in the box and you'll be f- moving around in that styrofoam and you might catch a glimpse of it for, for a second and then it's gone again. And you're, you're, it's almost an impossible task to find the item in the middle of all that styrofoam. And for me, that's what it was like trying to think of something. Um, it was just as if my brain was so full of, you know, this mental styrofoam that I couldn't, I couldn't think straight, no matter what I was trying to think about, it just wouldn't work for me. Um, and it was a feeling that my brain was, was overloaded. So what you said there, that description is absolutely, um, I'm actually writing a book now at the moment about brain fog. So I'm kind of fascinated by it and, and have delved into it. I have experienced it myself on a number of occasions in very different ways, but I've never heard it quite described like that. It's a very, very good um, description because what I'm seeing there is then the more you delve into that box, trying to push those bits aside, the more you've disrupted where the thing is. Yeah. <laughs> you going to be able to find it. Exactly. And, you know, there's a sense that your brain is overloaded. It's, it's like a sponge that is so saturated mm-hmm. with liquid that there, it just can't take any more. And I remember the feeling of, you know, if I get an email one more email in, I, I think my head is just going to sort of detach and roll off my shoulders. Um, and, you know, with that, you get poor memory, like really poor short, short-term memory um, that can be really embarrassing at times. You know, so you keep having to ask, what are we doing again? What are we doing again? Yeah. You know, and my radio job would demand that I'm on top of stuff and every second is accounted for. And, you know what you're, you know what you've just said, what you're going to say, and how you're going to say it, and and when that is skewed, it can be very upsetting, and and actually can cause you anxiety in itself. You know, it it can make you stressed, even though the cause of it is stress. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and particularly trying to schedule future events. You know, if somebody asks you, "Hey, are you free on Thursday week?" You feel like getting into the fetal position under your desk because you, you can't it sounds so silly but when you're in it it's you just cannot cope with 
the idea of another it's like buckaroo you know when <laughs> that's the final yeah you know, what's what's the you know the the one last request that someone makes of your time that is going to just cause everything to fall apart you know yeah and usually it'll happen you know at the most inappropriate time and you just explode over something that's completely disproportionate but again i'm not surprised you experience brain fog because you know poor sleep um you know, excessive or chronic, poorly managed stress uh, will interfere with, you know, with your cognitive functioning. And among other things, I mean, just for anyone listening, if they're not familiar with the term brain fog, it really is just, um, it's it's kind of an umbrella term um, that describes some issues that people experience with, like Dermot just said there, you know, fuzzy thinking, difficulty concentrating, problems with memory, problems with learning, problems with being able to pay attention or focus and also even things like word finding difficulties for me that actually would would be something that would manifest I kind of just can't I almost end up like I'm playing a game of charades you know Mm. to describe the word that I struggle to find and then there's loads of I mean it's not a condition or a disease or a disorder in and of itself it's really just a signal from your brain that something is amiss and you really need to look and see what it is and it could be that it's poor sleep or stress that you can deal with but there can be underlying conditions some autoimmune diseases etc are associated with that And, and particularly for women too hormone fluctuations, but also for men, fluctuations in testosterone can kind of give rise to brain fog. But I was really interested, you know, to read and hear you actually, you know, mention, um, you know, that you had experienced brain fog just as a, you know, from a gender perspective. Um, it's something that women speak um, speak about a lot and, and they'll use different terms. They could say baby brain, um, you know, um, if it's associated with a, an autoimmune disease, it's fibro fog. And, and the thing is with autoimmune diseases as well, sort of a lot of them are, you know, you have nine females to every one male who will have them. Um, but you do, women, women talk about having baby brain or menopause brain or pregnancy brain or, or whatever, where their hormones have changed. But you don't hear a lot of men actually talking about it. But what you do hear more from men is is burnout and overwhelm, um, and I, you know, well, more burnout. But um, and and it, I think that's interesting, um, you know, in itself that it, maybe it's more male or macho to say burnout. But at the end of the day, it's it's brain fog, and yes, it may be because you've been burning candles at you know, at at both ends. I just think that's kind of something interesting. But have you found since you started meditation that the brain fog has lifted? 100%, you know, and, you know, it doesn't make you superhuman. And there are times, you know, if if I have a lot of things on at once, you know, I can certainly start to see the signs, you know, or pick up that, okay, maybe I need to take the foot off the gas or for me, it's kind of like the analogy of just having way too many tabs open on your browser, you know, at the same time, yeah. uh, you know, when I start to feel a little bit hazy in my thinking uh, or maybe I'm reacting a bit emotionally or maybe just feeling a bit negative, then I'll go, okay, I know, I know what this is because I've been through it. So what can I just close? What, what mental tab can I close for a couple of days? What can I say no to? What mm-hmm. time can I carve out for myself? so that I can rejuvenate and give my brain a chance to just refresh itself, you know. And, you know, again, with the computer analogy, we do it with our laptops and we do it with our phones. We do it with our cars. You know, we, we, you know, we service our cars. We don't let it go too long. We, 
we restart our computers when they're getting slow. But when it comes to our brains and our minds, we're very slow to, to do anything to try and give it a chance to refresh itself. And we just get cross with ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you get into a questioning, a pattern of, of you know, rap, rapid fire questions uh, internally. You know, what's wrong with me? You know, have I got some illness? Why can't it be like other people? Um, you know, are other people suffering from this? You know, and, and the Googling begins then, you know, and, and self-diagnosis. <laughs> the Googling begins and this episode ends. But don't despair, there's more. Tune in next week for part two of our chat to learn more about Dermot's exciting new show, Mindful, which combines comedy and meditation. Check out dermotwhelan.com. My name is Sabina Brennan and you've been listening to Superbrain, the podcast for everyone with a brain. Subscribe on Acast, Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take a moment to like and share. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.